You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome to the Drive Time Show here at Voice of Islam, live on DAB Radio. You are listening to the Drive Time Show, a live program where we discuss contemporary issues and explore how Islamic teachings can guide you through them. Today we have two interesting topics to discuss, starting off in the first hour with sight loss. Is there light at the end of the tunnel? We're going to discuss the stigma around it and how people with sight loss are treated. With the second hour, we'll be discussing leadership in the context of Jacinda Ardern, who resigned recently, and we want to try and understand what makes a good leader. Today, I'm joined with my co-host, Raheel Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, and we're going to be discussing these topics over the next couple of hours. So, um, let's start off with... Two hours, two hours, let's be specific. Yeah, two hours, two (laughs) hours to be specific. Um, So today we're going to start off with sight loss, right? So, um, you know, sight loss can be a major life change for many. Some being born with it, some experiencing it later in life. Mm. Um, And um, I think that... uh, the Quran, we can start off with the Quran here. And um, uh, in chapter 24 of the Holy Quran, verse 62, Allah says, There is no harm for the blind, and there is no harm for the lame, and there is no harm for the sick, and none for yourselves. Uh, that you eat from your own houses, or the houses of your fathers, or the houses of your mothers, or the houses of your brothers, or the houses of your sisters, or the houses of your fathers, brothers, or the houses of your father's sisters, or the houses of your mother's brothers, mm-hmm. or the houses of your mother's sisters, or from which, from that of which the keys are in your possession, or from the house of a friend of yours. There is no harm from, for you whether you eat together or separately, but when you enter houses, salute your people, a greeting from God, from your Lord, uh, full of blessing and purity. Thus does Allah make plain to you the commandments that you may understand. Mm-hmm. So that, that <clears throat> bit of a long verse there, but what, what, it, what it does is that um, it deals with some rules of social conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, roles, uh, these rules are intended to dispose of those foolish prejudices that prevail among certain sections of human society. Islam enjoins completely so uh, enjoins complete social equality and is the enemy of division of people. The Arabs and Jews had scruples to eat with the blind or with persons suffering from certain social disabilities mm-hmm. as the Hindus of India even to this day do not sit or eat with the untouchables quote mm-hmm. um, Islam looks uh, to condemn uh, condemns all at all such practices and encourages free socializing among all classes and mm-hmm. sections of people so, yeah of course I mean it's not all uh, it's not all uh, Hindus of India um, it's, of it's, I think it's a section of of, of uh, you know society in India and, 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 and majority of people you know have actually left that practice behind, um, and I think this is one of the uh, one of the good things that the British did in India was to you know was to get rid rid of you know issues such as that. Yeah. Right. Um, they tried to at least. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, j- just for a second, um, mm-hmm. should, can we appreciate the fact that we have sight as well? I think that it's something that you can often be so unaware of yeah. how blessed you are in that sense mm-hmm. especially for those who have very like you know 
there's no uh, difference in in people's yeah. pain but you know imagine having sight and then mm-hmm. losing it like i feel like that's something that is is really difficult to to really go through and mm-hmm. you know uh, i think that this is something that we should really appreciate absolutely um, and that's why there's a hadith of the prophet peace be upon him where he says um on every person's joints or small bones even you know fingers and toes there is sadaqa a charity um, you know every day uh, the sun rises and you know what what is it for for instance you know if you if you're speaking about you know um you know charity you know that's glorifying allah you know mm-hmm. and 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 being thankful for the things that we have i mean you know a lot of the things that people uh, you know become frustrated about you know these things are irreplaceable right you know um and and you can't put a price on it to be to, to be very honest so uh, that's the thing that's why there is there's a charity and the charity for it is 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 that you 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 use them in a in a in a proper manner hmm. for instance um talking of eyesight one of the commandments of the quran is to lower your gaze you know hmm. when you're when you're speaking to the opposite sex uh, the opposite gender right um it it is a mark of respect so hmm. just for the listeners out there if you are speaking to let's say a practicing muslims Muslim and he's not do, it's not doing an eye contact uh, you know especially if you're a lady then then know that he's not doing it out of disrespect but rather doing it out of respect um, right and, and and that I think that goes the same with handshaking as well mm. right so I think uh, if, if this conversation uh, you know beforehand and uh, you know people realize that you know there are things you know which every religion you know uh, has has the freedom to follow and, and you know and practice and I think we should respect that you know sim sim simply right yeah and um so let's talk more about sight loss let's let's look at some statistics right and yeah. in 2022 uh, specsavers actually published a leaflet called the state of the uk's health in 2022 where they explained the situation in the uk regarding sight uh, sight loss they found that ophthalmology is the busiest outpatient speciality in the nhs mm-hmm. attendance is made up almost 9% of all hospital outpatient appointments in 2019 mm-hmm. slash 20. Yeah. Um, there's actually a huge backlog <clears throat> uh, where 633,000 people were waiting for NHS ophthalmology appointments uh, in May 2022. Yep. Uh, although services remained open for urgent care during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, the number of eye tests in 2020 dropped by 4.3 million a 23% decline compared to tests administrated, uh, administered in uh, 2019. The drop in eye tests resulted in a large reductions in referrals from primary care to hospitals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people weren't getting the tests that they needed during that time, right? And, of of course, know. and there's issues with, you know, delayed appointments as well, yeah. but we'll, we'll discuss that uh, later on. Yeah, I think first we'll go off, uh, go to our first guest, um, who is... Um, we have on the line Harris Hamid. Harris Hamid. He's a student studying business uh, at the University of Worcester. Yeah, Worcester. Worcester, um, sorry. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Drive Time Store. We can't hear the guest right now, so we'll see what's happened. But in the meantime, we'll discuss. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're discussing delayed appointments. We were, weren't we? Um, and 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 you were, you were mentioning statistics with regards to, regards to the huge backlog. Um, you know. A twenty-three percent decline, about you know four point three million, uh, you know eye tests that were dropped in 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 just twenty twenty. 
um, and uh, that's that's basically a huge number, isn't it? Yeah. We've got our guest on. Assalamualaikum, brother Haris. Are you there? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're speaking about uh, sight loss today. Um, could you tell us a bit about you know the circumstances uh, which led you to actually losing your 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 eyesight? So my story starts from when I was quite young. Um, I was about four or five at the time, mm-hmm. and I my family noticed that. Um, I started to rub my eyes quite a lot and also at that time I w- would see with less light around for example like um, in the daytime it would be difficult for me to see but when it would be at night when there was less bright light around it would be easier for me to see Makes sense. so yeah. they understood that that time that I had some sight issues and then um, I went and I saw uh, my local doctor and they said that your eyesight would either stay like this or it would uh, deteriorate completely. And at the age of about 10 or 11, my sight deteriorated completely. So I lost my sight completely when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And then um, I went to a hospital in London called Moorfields, mm-hmm. which is quite known for um, eyesight. Mm-hmm. And they recognized that one of my genes in my code of DNA uh, was different. And they re- they referred me to a, a children's hospital in Birmingham mm-hmm. and they found out that uh, I had a very rare condition that only 90 people in the UK have which is called Alstrom syndrome and this uh, condition not only do you lose your eyesight but you also mm-hmm. uh, can become hearing impaired so have a moderate hearing impairment mm-hmm. um, also you can um, experience um, other issues such as um, fatty liver and heart disease and kidney failure um, but uh, I'm quite healthy in terms of those things the only um, effects that I have is that I have no eyesight and I uh, I have a hearing impairment I mean um, I just wanted to ask you how 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 did your you know outlook on life change because you know someone who is born let's say blind it you know you you were able to see you know to some extent right and that changed for you, and and, and 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 also for you to find find this out at a very young age, psychologically. How have you you know coped with it? I think uh, it's a it, that's a great question, and I think um, I think it's kind of like as you've grown up, like since I lost my sight at the time, I didn't know why I lost it, what was going on, mm-hmm. uh, why it happened. But now, as I've learnt a bit more um, about it, and I, I've understood my condition, um, it's kind of uh, made me understand what happened a bit more and also over the years I've learned so much more about Islam and it's made me realize mm-hmm. that, um, that this world is nothing um, but it's a place for us to become the best people it's a place for us to try and earn the most good and it's a place for us to to prepare for the next life mm-hmm. and Islam has also you know given me so much more passion and courage uh, that, that there's so much more to life um, and mm-hmm. that I'll see the best of people you know I'll see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment um, mm-hmm. so it, it encourages me a lot 
And even when you look at the lives of the companions, you look at the lives of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You know, the, the, he is a role model for us oh, and the companions. You know how the dealings with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the companions, and there were there were many companions with sight loss. And I think one famous, obviously, we can mention was Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Makdum radiyallahu taala, and mm. and many many other companions um, <clears throat> with sight loss. Um, and how the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam would deal with them uh, in a, in a, such a great manner, like mm. they dealt with each person that they interacted with, uh, gives me so much hope uh, uh, and so much trust in Allah subhanahu wa taala mm-hmm. that He has um, He has decreed for me what is best for me. Mm-hmm. No doubt, no doubt at all. There is a hadith of the Prophet, and especially in Sahih Bukhari, um, which, which which comes to my mind, where the Prophet peace be upon him said. Um, and if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, is 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 hadith Qudsi, uh, which means Allah saying this. This is the Holy Prophet peace upon him says, Allah said, if I afflict my servant in his two day eyes and he remains patient, he will be compensated for them with the paradise. So um, you know, no doubt we know from the you know from from the scripture from the Holy Quran, Allah Almighty says that you know la yukallifullahu nafsan illa wusaha that that Allah Almighty does not burden so beyond his capacity. Um, so it's 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 actually wonderful to hear you know that that side of you know things and perspective, and I think it's just it's just fascinating that 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 how you know you can have you know someone can just totally have a different outlook on life and can blame God and say why has He made me like this or why has why why has that happened to me, whereas for you to take you know the other approach, you know and 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 to me and, and to be optimistic about it, that is just wonderful to hear. Yeah, and um, so we wanted to ask you that uh, we understand that you're a student at the Royal College, uh, Royal National College for the Blind. Uh, what was your experience like there? Um, I've actually had a very great experience at the Royal National College for the Blind. Um, it helped me understand um, the what resources there are available to me and how I can um, still get around life with uh, the same as other people um it's also given me more empowerment for islam because um i was very fortunate enough to help uh, a lot of muslim students um create their first muslim community at the college um so it it is a really good um experience mm-hmm. as a whole mm-hmm. wonderful and um you know, talking about you know, you of course speaking about your experience. Um, how does your experience, let's say, of university differ from you know studying at the college or you know at you know at, you know at school? What is there? What what is the diff- difference in a university experience? I think the big difference in a university experience is that you have to go and ask for something that is not maybe there for you already. Mm. Um, you have to like really um, speak out and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, which sometimes can be difficult, um, if, you know, because we're all used to getting everything the way that we want it. Mm-hmm. So I think in that respect is something that you can really build on. Like for me, back at college, I would get everything in the right format in terms of learning, um, in terms of materials, in terms of finding resources. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something that I've had to, to learn myself when I come to university is that I really need to ask. Um, and keep on asking to get what I need um, to help myself, really. Right, and um, so how are you able to get through your day? Like, what what things have you used to to help you? Um, So I start 
I, I use a laptop with a screen reader called JAWS, um, which speaks out everything on the screen to me um, to help me with my work. Um, mm-hmm. I also use a Braille display connected to my laptop, which helps me type and read what's on the screen. Um, I also use my, my mobile, I can use a mobile phone just like uh, anyone else. Um, I use speech software on my mobile phone called uh, VoiceOver, which also reads out everything to me on the screen. Mm. Uh, so I know which app I can go into and then um, use. Um, I also use a cane to help me get around, uh, which is, um, you know, makes sure that I can get around safely without hitting myself into anything. Um, so, yeah, just, just a whole variety of different things. Right. And so... One of the things we're discussing is the stigma around it as well. Have you have you had to face any stigma due to having sight loss, or and like how were you able to overcome this? I think my my experience as a whole has been quite positive. Mm. Um, currently, I can't really think to many examples of where um, I've had stigma, but you do get the general like, uh, can you see what's in front of me, or can you see this, that, and the other, and you do have to explain to people that you have no useful vision at all, um, which I think sometimes people like take, it's quite difficult for people to comprehend sometimes how you get about your daily life with having no sight at all. Very interesting. And and, and lastly, I did have a question that I wanted to ask you, and I, I, I always actually think about this, and, and and that is, you know, I heard that when, you know, one of the, if you lose one of your senses, let's say your eyesight, um, you know, um, and, and, and let's say your, when your brain is deprived of, you know, input in one sensory modality, it's, you know, it, it is basically, basically capable of reorganizing itself to support and augment other senses. And that way, you know, your other, 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 other senses become, you know, much more clearer or much more advanced. Have you, have you experienced this? L- let's say your, your other senses of hearing and um, smell, you know, all of these things. H- have you experienced this that, they're sort of, you know, uh, sort of increased or have have helped you, you know, actually help you with with your, you know, day to day task. I think like hearing definitely because obviously you use different sounds to help you get around. Um, mm-hmm. Even like for example, like the wind or you know different. Um, even being able to like touch or feel different surfaces is something that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like if you're out and about uh, on different paths and in different areas, it can really help you differentiate where, where you are and where mm. your surroundings are. Interesting. Jazakallah, may Allah bless you. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, taking out your time, and all the best with your future, you know, endeavors in life. Thank you. Assalamu thank alaikum. You. Thank you for thank you for having me. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call if you want to share anything with regards to the topic that we're discussing today. It is sight loss, um, your experience, you know, with 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 people uh, you know, that have gone through the experience of sight loss, um, or you yourself, you know, um, you know, are you know going through it, or you know, are, you know, you, you yourself is you know at the moment is blind, or you want to help us, you know, understand, uh, you know what what a blind person actually goes through you know in 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 day-to-day life call us or you can even tweet us at voice of islam uk thank you so much right and so what are some of the causes right of of sight loss i think mm-hmm. let's discuss some of them today um so the website medical news today published an article about vision loss specifically right. and um so causes of sudden vision loss 
sudden vision loss is vision loss that c- occurs over a period of a few seconds or minutes to a few days. It can cause it can be caused by a variety of conditions. Um, firstly, migraine. Many people who have migraines experience visual symptoms uh, known as migra- uh, migraine aura. Uh, around 25 to 30% of people with migraines have visual aura symptoms. For some, this involves seeing zigzag lines, sparkles or spots. Mm-hmm. For others, it involves tunnel vision, a complete loss of vision or vision loss to the left or right side. Um, And then we have conjunctivitis, also known as pink eye. Conjunctivitis can cause vision loss. Conjunctivitis is an infection or inflammation of the conjunctiva. It can also cause blurriness, redness, pain or difficulty seeing. Um, And finally, uh, corneal abrasion. Uh, Injury to the eye can cause uh, sudden vision loss depending on how serious the injury is. This could be temporary or permanent, and treatment may vary accordingly. So, um, there's some uh, causes of, of sudden vision loss. Um, you know, uh, that's you having having sight before. I think um, before we uh, move on, um, we will go to an interview that we had uh, previously um, mm-hmm. with um, uh, the director of professional advancement for Specsavers, Paul Morris. Um, let's let's hear that now. All right. Uh, thank you very much for joining. We have our guest with us, uh, Paul, who is Director of uh, uh, Productive Advancement from Specsaver, joining us. Uh, good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining. Oh, my absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. Um, so for those who are unsure, uh, Paul, um, as a community optometrist uh, what is it that you do um, you know day to day well lo- lots of the public may know optometrists as opticians and of course the full term uh, ophthalmic optician was used in the past but these days optometrist is is used more regularly and an optometrist is someone who you go and see traditionally if you want your eyes tested your sight checked but what i think more people need to understand than ever is optometrists can do so much more in the community So, for example, every time you come and get your vision tested as part of the sight test, we do a really comprehensive evaluation of the back of your eye and the eye health. And that can pick up lots of things that we'll talk about perhaps later on. But optometrists do so much more. So um, traditionally, what people would have done if they woke up with an eye problem would be to go to A&E or to their GP to seek help. And in the overwhelming majority of the UK now, then those types of patients are first seen by community optometrists and also managed in the community rather than uh, blocking up vital appointments within the NHS, which is tremendous. And of course, those appointments form part of the NHS. And we're really pleased to be working with ophthalmologists to deliver care in things like glaucoma and diabetes too. So lots and lots of things that community optometrists can do. Mm. That's uh, fantastic. I mean, so interesting. There's such a vast field as well. Um, with with your many years of experience, um, what changes have you seen in the care of your uh, patients over time? Well, I've I've been qualified twenty years now, and uh, blimey, it's flown by. But the, the biggest change that's come through, I think, has been the technology and how that's enabled us to look at people's eyes and their eye health in a far more intrinsic way to make sure that we can really do more in the community 
Now, if I just tell you very quickly, when I first qualified, if we wanted to take a photograph of the back of the eye to use mm. for um, diagnosis purposes, then that would develop on a Polaroid. And of course, all that changed many, many years ago and digital photography took over. And now we've got these fantastic pieces of kit that do lots of different things, including things like the OCT. And the OCT is a scanner that builds up a series of images that can form a 3D picture of your eye health, which makes it far easier for community optometrists to pick up disease like glaucoma far more early than we used to. And I suppose with that technology for community optometrists has come a lot more training and with that a lot more opportunities to do good in their local community and to help people to um, retain really great sight for the entirety of their lives and to reduce avoidable sight loss. Yeah, absolutely. I think I remember myself obviously popping down to uh, my local uh, Specsavers and, and obviously uh, you know, you're mentioning the new technology that's there. Um, obviously, the eye test has also changed. You're able to get so much more information, as you mentioned. There's so much more that um, uh, is checked as well. So that that is great news. And um, obviously, if, um, you know, certain issues can be detected uh, way before, um, then, you know, we might, might be able to help people, uh, you know, uh, way before uh, them suffering. So, um I mean, I have seen advertisement for that, obviously, and also seen the information about the new eye test that you can get now. But how many of your patients and, and the wider community do you think, do you think people have that knowledge that, you know, these eye tests are now much more comprehensive and, uh, you know, sophisticated um, than before? Well, I, I think there's lots of work to do still. Um, one in 20 people, according to some surveys, and that's a huge number of the population, don't access regular eye care at least every two years. And and we would argue, and we would certainly join the NHS in calling for everyone to get their eyes tested at least every two years. Because as I mentioned before, you know, it's not just visual problems. There can be problems like glaucoma that you would just not be aware of yourself that could be managed and helped early by you going to see a community optometrist and accessing eye care that could save your sight more than 50% of all sight loss is avoidable if it's caught and managed early. And that's exactly the service that your community optometrist can provide. And of course, there's NHS funding for the majority of those appointments as well. And the questions I always ask people is, look, did you know that 50% of all sight loss is avoidable? Most people don't. And the other thing I ask all my patients is, is everyone in the family having regular eye care? Because whether it be uh, an elder in the family who with increasing age is more at risk of things like glaucoma, cataract, etc., or whether it be one of the younger members of the family who, you know, there's something called lazy eye, which can affect youngsters, amblyopia, to give it the technical term. Some people, yeah, very young people go short-sighted and don't actually understand that that's not normal. And having those interventions at a young age, at every age, just improves the outcomes, particularly for those that are in education. So please, if everyone in your family is having eye care, that's brilliant. Ask your friends as well. But if they're not, just ask them to consider giving up a very small proportion of their time. Usually takes about an hour for the whole visit uh, to make sure that they're okay. Okay. No, absolutely. I think that's really important. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you, something about obviously the current circumstances where people are struggling financially as well. Do you think that with the strain on the NHS um, and, and that some patients are unable to get the care that they need, 
people might be, you know, reluctant to have an eye test, um, you know, uh, do you think the cost is reasonable, at, uh, you know, for, for people that affordable for them to do that? I think it's more accessible than ever. And actually with NHS funding, it depends as well which, which country you're in. But, you know, in in various countries, there are different NHS eligibilities. Please don't put it off. The, the cost to entry is, is relatively very small, actually. And then, you know, absolutely free for lots of people. And if you are uh, on a very tight budget, there are um, other services that can help you in terms of claiming those health costs. So there are uh, ways into NHS funding, even if you don't think that you are um, if you are eligible. But ultimately, what I would say is just to make sure you get it done. Because ultimately, um, as I've said before, there are conditions like glaucoma, which are more common than you'd think, affecting about 2% of the adult population, which you would never know unless you came and had one of those sight tests that evaluates the health of your eye as well. Mm. And just finally, what would you say to those people who are unsure about you know, the services that you offer, the type of scans that you, know, you talked about? Um, and or if there's anybody really who feel that their eyesight is getting worse, um, you know, you've already mentioned that they shouldn't take it lightly. So, you know, um, anything you would like to give them as uh, terms of advice, um, what they should do to make Absolutely. sure that their health is good. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, we're, we're quite accessible as community optometrists. You can, you know, phone up, you can walk in. There's usually one on most high streets. Um, probably walk past one most days if you're in town doing your shopping, but do pick up the telephone. Lots of um, lots of community optometrists, uh, certainly Specsavers, have an online presence where you can ask questions. And and please, you know, don't leave it. Don't do don't do nothing. If you have a problem with your eye, get it sorted as quickly as you can. Very often over the years. As I say, we've seen relatively small innocuous things that we've been able to pick up that have solved bigger problems later on. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Go and see your local optometrist to make sure that your eye health is going to be healthy and give you the vision that you need for the rest of your life. Absolutely. That is a great advice. Uh, thank you very much, Paul Morris, uh, Director of Professional Advancement uh, from Specsavers. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for the show today. We we'll really appreciate your time. My absolute pleasure, Sophia. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. So this was Paul Morris, uh, Director of Professional Advancement for Specsavers. We, speak, we spoke to him earlier. I mean, great advice there. Uh, you know, in, in terms of um, you know, even, even if you have a slight slightest of doubt <clears throat> with regards to your vision, you should always you know go and get it checked out. You know, even yeah. if you have to pay a bit, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, it's your eyesight. Definitely. I think, you know, it's such a, <coughs> it's one of your five senses and, you know, it's so in, integral to your life, right? Um, I think that it's it's definitely something you shouldn't let slide. No um, doubt. And, you know, you mentioned uh, they have the online service as well. You can message them online. They're actually <laughs> really funny uh, on Twitter. If you ever see their tweets, they, they're uh. really funny. They uh, do really uh, interesting stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. we, we were talking about the, the causes of sight loss. Mm -hmm. I think you were going to share with the listeners the, you know, the causes of gradual vision loss, right? Yes. So we covered uh, sudden vision loss earlier. Um, vision loss, you know, speaking of gradual vision loss, uh, is not always sudden. Uh, you know, sometimes it can it can happen over a long period of time. You know, things such as age-related macular degeneration, which is uh, which is also known as AMD, mm. is an eye disease that can impact a person's central vision. 
Uh, and AMD is actually a leading cause of vision loss for people age 50 and older. Um, this can occur you know, very gradually or quite rapidly. For many people, uh, they begin to see a blurry, a blurry area near the center of their vision, uh, which may increase in size over time. Uh, secondly, you know, I think people know this glaucoma is you know, a group of diseases that damage the optic nerve. Uh, which is located in the back of a person's eye. Hmm. Uh, the symptoms of glaucoma can happen so gradually that a person, you know, may may not even know that they have it, you know, until they have an eye, uh, you know, examination. examination yeah. And so, you know, it, it it can occur in one eye or both eyes. And without treatment, glaucoma can eventually cause blindness. So it is quite serious, um, beginning with the uh, peripheral uh, vision. Then there is diabetic retinopathy, uh, which is a condition causing uh, vision loss and blindness in people with diabetes. It affects blood vessels in retina, which is the light sensitive layer of tissue on the back of the eye. Anyone you know, with any kind of diabetes can get diabetic retinopathy. So it is important that a person with diabetes have regular eye examinations to catch it early. In 90% of cases, you know, blindness related to diabetes is actually preventable. Uh, you know, left untreated, uh, diabetic uh, retinopathy can actually develop into a total and actually permanent blindness. Um, and then you have, you know, vision loss after a stroke where, you know, your vision, which you know depends on a healthy eye to receive information and healthy brain to pro- process the information. The nerves in the eyes you know, travel from the eye through the brain to the, uh, you know, to, to the cortex at the back of the brain, you know, allowing you to see to to allowing you to actually see uh, and most strokes affect one side of the brain uh, nerves from each eye travel together in the brain so both eyes are affected um, if the right side of your brain is damaged the left side vision is uh, you know in each eye may may be affected uh, it is a rare you know it is rare for both sides of the brain uh, to be affected by a stroke when when it does actually uh, happen it can result in blindness. So keep an eye out on these things and, you know, please do get your eyes checked regularly. Definitely. And um, before we discuss that further, we want to go to our next guest, who is Aisha Tariq, um, and who's going to share with us a, a personal experience with uh, slight loss. Um, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me. Uh, we wanted to ask, you know, what w- start off by asking, what was the reason that you have started to experience um, sight loss? Um, basically, in 2016, I was a healthy person, not, no, any sort of me- no medications, no medical um, conditions, anything. I just one one night fell asleep, woke up, and in the middle of the night, I had a brain hemorrhage. And then I was rushed to hospital. While I was in hospital, um, recovering, I had brain surgery with for the brain hemorrhage. And while I was recovering in ICU, um, just um, then I had a stroke, and mm-hmm. that stroke unfortunately um, affected my vision. So it um, the stroke affected the back of the optic nerve. Mm. This is the optic nerve that sort. Um, sends the signals to the brain, to the eye, to for the vision. And my mm-hmm. left uh, side eye is completely damaged. Mm-hmm. And the right one is, it's like I've got 
Uh, I'm visually impaired, registered blind, so I've got limited vision. Mm -hmm. So I look through, basically, as I can describe it to someone, a sighted person, is I'm looking through a haze or a fog all mm. the time. And I have tunnel vision. I can only see straight. I can't see on the sides. Mm -hmm. So that was a complete shock mm -hmm. because I was in hospital for four months, recovering firstly from the brain hemorrhage and the stroke. But the side loss for me was a, obviously that was the major. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, so how did doctors try to help you with your sight loss? Like what tried to, uh, what um, treatments did they offer? Yeah, they, they, they were really good because what happened, they tried to save my sight by doing, um, like rep replacing the lens of my eye in both eyes mm -hmm. and just doing a cataract operation like, and try to see if that would work. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't work. So then they said, we tried, you know, everything but this is in 2018 i was registered blind mm -hmm. and i said okay well you can't say all right you know why 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 because then you get into a very mm -hmm. deep deep circle that you don't want to go through mm -hmm. so i was sent to rnib <coughs> and they helped me to cope with eyesight because obviously everything changes mm -hmm. your whole perspective how you walk about and everything it mm -hmm. all changes mm -hmm. so they help me to it's simple tricks like if i'm walking along the uh, corridor any corridor and i i don't know where the door frame is so they said walk along and rub your knuckles along the wall so when you get to the um door frame you will know that this is the door mm -hmm. instead of me scraping my knuckles or anything mm. so that those are simple things and they learned yep. they taught me as well how to express myself and not sort of be so down because there's so mm. many things out there that you can still do mm, absolutely um and that that was actually going to be the next question um all right sorry with regards to you know you coping with the sight loss and um how were you basically able to you know accept that this is basically now the new normal for you? Well, I, I was hearing your interview with the previous, the first guest, yes. and you were saying about other senses that become stronger. Yeah, yeah. Now, I have experienced this, that my hearing mm. and my taste and my smell mm. has become stronger, although my sight mm. is weakened, mm. but the other senses have become stronger. Mm. So that that is actually what when I was listening, I said, "Wow," and I said, "This is what I mm. do experience." Mm. But then when I um, so I'm a person that I have to think, right? What can I do next? So I thought, right? What am I gonna do that will help others? Because that was my thing. At RNIB, I am a volunteer for RNIB as a community support worker. So basically, they run groups for people who are struggling, because there are people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. And then we have, I am a facilitator, so we have support groups, and then I can facilitate um, groups and just let people just come along on Zoom and just chat and say, these are the things I'm struggling with, these are the things I need help with. Mm -hmm. So 
that's how we do. We do, we have different um, sessions for different needs, basically. And then from that, I am now uh, I now work for the NHS because I'm a befriender. <laughs> because I, I the befriending is something that once a week mm-hmm. you phone up someone with mental health problems, and they are for one hour. You let them talk and sort of let you have to listen to them and encourage them as well. That and then I I do that for one week. I've got five befrienders, mm-hmm. so basically this is part of the NHS mental health service. Mm-hmm. So I thought, right, I have to. You have to look at things. All right, you know this has happened, but mm-hmm. you can't dwell on things. That's my belief. Because if you start dwelling on things, mm. you go into a deep, deep. It's like a depression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you don't want that because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I believe that every everything is done for a reason. Mm-hmm. So where I was a perfectly sighted person, okay, I've lost that, but I have mm-hmm. to gain something else. Mm-hmm. So my gain is mm-hmm. that I am trying to help other people. Mm-hmm. to cope and accept their sight loss. Mm, very, very interesting and noble act. Um, what new things, uh, let, let's say, you've learned you know, since having sight loss? Um, I, the, sad, the saddest thing, I don't want to be um, sort of, uh, down, down, looking down on anything, but I think the saddest thing is that in society we have a lot of prejudice. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is... Because when I go out, because you can't see, you can't, if I, if you go out in the world, unless someone's got a white stick, you mm-hmm. don't know who's got mm-hmm. sight loss problems. No doubt, yes. So if you say to someone, I'm sorry, you know, I can't see, I've got sight loss problems, as soon as you say that, they start <laughs> treating you like something different. A lot, of, even doctors do. Mm-hmm. One uh, one example I can give, my my I went to my appointment in the hospital, and this is a consultant. Mm-hmm. He was talking really softly, really nicely, yeah. and then as soon as my my daughter was with me, yeah. as soon as my daughter said that my mum suffers from eyesight problem, he started talking loudly. Well, and, well, and I thought, why is he talking loudly? Mm-hmm. And then I had to turn around and say to him, yeah. listen, doctor, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. I have lost my sight, but I can still hear you. Mm-hmm. So please do not shout. Mm. So this is the unfortunate thing. Mm. As soon as you mention sight loss, people try to treat you differently. Mm. You're still the same person. No doubt, no doubt. Um, but do you do you feel that it doesn't it for some people that let's say it doesn't come from a bad place? It's um, although they should not, but it's you know from a lot of people, I think um, they do it out of care. I, I, I'm not, not, no, I'm not speaking about the experience with a doctor, but let's say no, if someone but finds people out, people have preconception; they prejudge you. Yeah, yeah. So before meeting you, if you if they've got. If you've got, it's like having a badge, I am a sight loss person. Mm-hmm. They just think, okay, there must be something wrong with her, so we must tread care. But they don't know you. Mm-hmm. 
You have to treat the person. I, even my friends who I thought were my friends, mm -hmm. I've lost my friends. Mm. Because I just think, why? Mm. I'm still the same me. Mm -hmm. But my good friends are sticker, have stuck around and are still there along the line. Mm. And they're, they're, I won't name them because they're, because they're probably listening. Yes. And I don't want to <laughs> embarrass them. Yeah. And uh, I think lastly, we did want, we did want to ask you this. Um, you know, when, when, when people think of sight loss, they think of things that are being, you know, sort of taken away. But, yes, what, what, but, what, but what positives have you been able to, you know, take from the experiencing sight loss? And yes. also your advice to pe those people that do have, do have a sight and, and, and how yes. they should be thankful for it. Yeah, because the first thing is that we all are different. Mm -hmm. Everyone is different. You and I are different. If we were all the same, we would be robots. Mm -hmm. And the world would be really boring. Yeah. So everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Every single person on this planet is different. My children are different. So that's the um, thing you have to understand. So if, you, if everyone is different. Mm -hmm. You have to de deal with those different um, so I don't say they're disabilities I say that uh, no, I don't say I can't do it. I'm not able to do it. Mm. I don't have a disability it's just that I'm not capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. So that is another thing. Don't think sight loss is a disability. It's just that you are not capable of doing it. I am capable of using a tablet, my mobile phone, mm -hmm. and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I'm not capable of running a marathon or doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. but, I'm, I'm not either. I, <laughs> I no, but, yeah, but you know the difference. You have to think differently. No doubt, no doubt. That's the that's the reason why the befriending service is really good for mm -hmm. me because yeah. it's made me realize it's not just me but mental health is so important mm. if you are positive then whatever comes your way mm -hmm. you have to you can get over it yeah. if you're positive but if you think if you think bad thoughts then you will be in that dark place believe me i've been been in a dark place mm -hmm. but then i think well why are you doing this mm -hmm. is it worth it yeah how yeah. long is it gonna go on for no doubt no doubt. I mean, it's uh, it's a pleasure speaking to you and 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 get get a sort of a different outlook and mm. and it's it's sort of a to to be very honest, it's a learning process for me. I mean, yeah. to, to next time when you do meet you know someone who who is disabled or does doesn't have a capability of doing something, you know to to you know to be normal yeah. in a yeah. way you know treat them. Treat them with respect and everything, but uh, maybe it's the case that if you go out of the way, they don't feel they don't feel you know yes. comfortable. Don't you overdo doing that. It. Exactly, you know, sir. You don't overdo it. Just be normal. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Okay. Jazakallah. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call. Um, it's 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 it was an eye opener. Uh, this this uh, interview that we had. I mean. So much emphasis, you know. One of the, one of the great things that she mentioned was with regards to helping others. You know, going through such a yeah. thing, and 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 it's often the people that they've been they've been there, they've mm -hmm. been, you know, they've seen the dark 
would come out and you know pull people out of it. Yeah. And 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 that's the beauty of it. And and there's so much emphasis of that in Islam to to, to the extent that the Prophet peace be upon him says that putting a smile on your brother's face is a charity. Yeah. Right. So what are you doing with you know you're, you're basically doing this doing doing the same thing. Yeah. You know with people you know that are going through you know that dark phase in their life. You, you know you, you're trying to befriend them. You're trying to speak to them and trying to take them out. And I think that's 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 one of the one of the big one of the biggest purposes of our lives. You know, one is the rights to God. We always speak about this, yeah. and the rights to creation. And um, it's small things, man, which 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 make a huge huge impact. Yeah, you know, just a simple smile. And sometimes, you know, when when you don't get a smile back, it is quite embarrassing, <laughs> right? But at the, at the end of the day, you know, that's a, that that that's another point of view that you you know you are you doing if to get a smile back are you expecting a smile back yeah right so You're nothing should change you joy, yeah. you know as an individual your character and what you stand for no definitely and that was um, a really inspiring um, story and it was really nice for her to share that with us mm-hmm. but um, I think that that's everything for this topic and uh, we'll be discussing more after the news we'll be discussing about uh, leadership uh, in the context of um the resignation of uh, Jacinda Arden. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. Assalamualaikum May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Oh, welcome to the Drive Time Show. Uh, we'll be going into the second hour shortly, but uh, just before that, we're just wrapping up the first hour, which is sight loss. Uh, you know, if you haven't listened to the show, please go back and listen to the recording um, where we've spoken to two individuals who've gone through the you know this experience of sight loss and there is so much to learn and and you would come out of this program thanking god for you know the the capabilities that you have um that that's one, one of the things i wanted to leave mm-hmm. you with uh, but lastly um I, I i wanted to finish this off with with a quotation of of the promise of upon you who said blindness is of two kinds one is physical blindness and the other is connected with the heart as for physical blindness it has no effect on the faith but the blindness of the heart does affect the faith that is why it is very essential that one should constantly pray to God with great humility that he may grant sincere spiritual realization and true insight and save him from doubts that the Satan causes. There are many doubts that the Satan causes in the hearts, the most dangerous of them, and which become a source of loss of this world as well as the next is connected with the next world for a greater part of virtuous deeds and truthfulness is linked along with the other factors with the belief in the next world when a man takes the next world no more than stories, then there can be no doubt about it that he has become unacceptable and he is lost to both the worlds. So with this, we would like to go to our next program where we'll be discussing... Leadership. Yes. Yeah. Um, firstly, let me ask you, Rahil, what do you think makes a good leader? The um, first thing that comes into your head. Humility, I would say. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I mean, there's so many things that one can say, but on, on top of my head... Yeah. I think I think humility because, uh, it, it, and and that actually just is, you know, just came to mind because it's a hadith of the Prophet which says, "Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum." He says that, um, you know, a you know a chief of a nation hmm. is actually one who serves. Yeah. You know, a true chief of 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 a nation or a leader of a yeah. nation is he who serves them. Yeah. And so so and and for him to serve, he has to be humble. Yeah. Right. And you know he and and. F- those people who do lead in, in, in true sense, you know, whether in, in worldly terms, whether, and we'll discuss this further, of course, yeah. uh, whether in spiritual terms, they are very, very humble people. 
No, definitely. I would, I'd agree with that because, um, you know, I often have actually mentioned this in uh, with inspiration from uh, religion. I've said this in a in a context of uh, the professional world as well, that if you look at all of the research that's being shown at the moment, like good leaders, all of them act as if they are serving the people that they lead. Mm. And that they need to get the best out of their team, and I think yeah. that that is great that you. That's the first thing that came into your head. Um, so we're we're talking about this because there was the resignation of um, Jacinda Ardern, and um, we have w- various world leaders across the globe who have the responsibility to lead their people through both ups and downs, right? Mm. Of any what, what any country faces, mm. um, but what actually. Um, makes a good leader mm-hmm. and um we want to discuss like is is it in part knowing what when it is time to step down uh for a stronger person to take the reins right mm-hmm. um and so as as always we we like to provide the islamic context for what yeah. we're discussing and so the holy quran states repeated um how important it is for a human to act righteous, which is what leads to having the most honourable of lives, and thus one becomes a righteous leader even if the circumstances are harsh. The Holy Quran stated, O mankind, we have created you from a male and a female, and we have made you into tribes and sub-tribes, that you may recognise one one another. Verily, the most honourable among you in the sight of Allah is he who is the most righteous among you? Surely Allah is all-knowing, all-aware. And that was chapter 49, verse 14. So, you know, we started off discussing it, but what, what is it? What is a good leader? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is a leader is someone who leads people towards a common goal, right? That's essentially what a leader mm. is. Um, so how can we, how can one achieve that? Um, w- well, we're going to look at that. We're going to ask that. We're going to check with the experts with the the Center for Creative Leadership, the CCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to their list of leadership skills, mm-hmm. one of the most important qualities a leader can have is self awareness. Mm. Um, they need to be constantly aware of the words said, nonverbal communication, and what actions they took, mm-hmm. even though this is not. This is now known to them. Team members automatically observe leaders and model their actions and reactions. This is especially important in times of stress. It is also important to have integrity. Um, The CCL research suggests that this is a potential blind spot that many organizations have with their values and integrity is usually not maintained. Um, another one on the list is communication. Uh, effective leaders use effective communications and are intertwined. Um, as skilled communication is when one can communicate in different ways by transmitting information to inspire others to coaching, to direct reports. Um, and one needs to listen. You know, communication isn't uh, a one-way street uh, with a wide range of people from different geographies and social identities. I think communication usually is conserved to better outcome. Um, so we've got two two there. Let's 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 unpick those quickly, uh, Rahil. Why don't we talk about um, self-awareness? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think about like why do you think self-awareness is important? Like your personal opinion. Why? Why self important self awareness of a leader is important. I think it's. I think it's more. I think it's. It's honesty. Yeah. And on honesty is very much integral part of of 
of uh, of Islam, you know, who mm. who we are as individuals. There's so much emphasis of that in Islam, um, you know, uh, that you know it is likened to associating, you know, partners with God, because because it, it, you know with, with, without it you can't you know you can't really achieve anything, and and, and basically self awareness is is being able to know what your you know what your strengths and weaknesses are, right? Um, and yeah. And uh, when certain weaknesses are mentioned, uh, to not become angry or yeah. you know distasteful about it, uh, think, yeah. you know. So but there's so much one one can say on it, but definitely like self awareness. I think is is a great treat to have in general. But I think it's really important for a leader to have self awareness, is because um, I think uh, when you're a leader, whether in whatever context. Um, you know, it could be uh, the simple context of a parent being a leader for a child, right? Mm. Like, um, if you're not self-aware of the impact that you're having on the people mm. that are following you, I think you're always going to do things that are going to be negative in some sort. So, being that self-aware, making sure that you're aware of the actions that you're mm. taking, and then with that, I think. Communication is so key. The mm-hmm. second one that they mentioned, uh, we'll go on to the other two um, shortly. But um, just communication, mm-hmm. I think, is is so important, and it's two way communication. You should be able to uh, comfortably mm-hmm. discuss with um, a leader how you feel, as mm-hmm. well as they be able to. I think managing expectations. I'm thinking of the corporate world and more professional side of things as well. I think that yeah. you know managing expectations. Uh, with your team is really important I think that you know like you can constantly be like hey we want to get this done but if you're not um, describing what you feel is expected you may be expecting that they work 24 hours yeah, yeah. around the clock but they think at six o'clock they mm. um, they they're off and they don't need to reply to messages that simple communication of hey this is a job where this is this would be helpful yeah. communicating that from the start you'll get the right person and you'll also you know have a better relationship <clears throat> and you know not that, that every employer should expect you to to reply after six or whatever but um i think that that conversation needs to happen and i think that that's where yeah. communication is so important um and then following communication um i think you, you probably want to discuss this a bit but um gratitude is a key char- characteristic to have mm. it is linked to greater self esteem reduced depression as well as anxiety and better sleep mm-hmm. uh, throughout the life of a leader another essential skill skill is to le- is learning agility so what do you think of of um uh you know we, gratitude as being an important imp- a part of being a leader it is you know it, you know it has to be because otherwise if you just dwell on the things that people are not doing or let's say the weaknesses then they're going to you know attract more weaknesses right so i mean some things that something things that you mentioned earlier with regards to the leader you know um he has you know that all, all that self awareness thing is he has to be he has to be doing more than the team right he has to you know that whole concept of um, you know, doing actually doing what you actually say, like yeah, leading, leading by, by example. example. All yeah. these things are there, um, and 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 in a lot of the times, it's not what you say; it's what you do that people in that people see. Right? You could say whatever you want, but if if that doesn't translate into your actions, then you know it doesn't have you know any Im- Im- impact. So you know, coming coming back to gratitude, as you were saying earlier, is always a key key uh, characteristic to have. Uh, you know, and uh, you know. Just it's a general, you know, positive outlook that one can have. Um, 
and uh, which would, of course, translate then into your team, your business and everything. But if you're always just focusing on things you don't have, then, you know, um, it's just going to be a negative vibe. Yeah, I think gratitude is really important because you. I feel like you need to communicate, um, especially when things are done good. And that doesn't mean like patting someone on the back every time they do something. What I'm saying is that um, I think gratitude is important because sometimes... Um, you know, you just need that reassurance. I think that that's why it's really mm. important uh, in a leadership setting that you know a leader does show the the effort that was put in and and you that know, people feel that they appreciated, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, they need that appreciation because you know it just makes you feel good, right? Like if I if, if I said to you, I probably haven't, and I'll say it to you now. I appreciate you co-presenting with me <laughs> on these so shows, much, right? Brother. Like it it makes me like I feel comfortable with you being yeah. here, and you you Likewise, bring a yeah. lot. So I think if we communicate in that way and we show gratitude, I think it's that's really important. so important. And you see how the. It's so interesting when we mem- we mention these things, and it, you know all of these different a- religious asp- aspects pop out in my mind. When, yeah. when the prophet peace upon him says that if you love a brother, go and tell him. Yeah. Right. So expression is very very important. Yeah. Not just keeping in your heart, heart, you know, things that you want to say to others, but say it. And and yeah. and one of the regrets, you know, for instance, I was, I was reading a story. I literally this was someone's t- tweet a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Is an in- individual, someone's friend, uh, writing to their friend in Pakistan, saying that my my father is not well. And I and I can't get back from the US. Can can you please go? Uh, you know, and 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 when she gets there, you know, the father pa- pa- passes away. So he he basically uh, she FaceTimes him, and this is a, this is the only time he's able to see his father. You know, uh, you know, on FaceTime, it's the only way he can see his father. Yeah. So he's so she's stating some of the things he's saying to his father that I appreciate you, I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that you know, there's so many things I should have said to you, you yeah. know, before you were gone. I should have come and seen. So, so, so when you look at these things, hmm. you realize how much important these things are. Yeah. You know, when that person is alive, yeah. or how would it make that person feel when they are alive? Definitely. So, I think that is that is not a weakness because, from the leader's perspective, you know, because you know, we feel, and someone might say that, you know, for this for for the CEO of a company, or or, or you know, a leader has to have a certain distance as well. Yeah. In order to have, you know, that it's not just jokes and stuff. There needs to be some discipline as well, yeah. because if you're if you're if you're too easily accessible, then you're not really respected, right? Now you've got this these these two yeah. aspects that people speak about. Yeah. But the reality is that you know, um, of course, there's going to be a balance. There's going to be discipline. And everything. Be balance, that's going to, yeah. There's there's going to be things in place, but that doesn't mean you become you know this this tough you know individual that nobody can approach yeah. you know you don't have any emotion or you don't show any emotion so you know these things are very very important and as we always mention the, for us muslims they're very much they, they, they're intertwined with our religion mm. you know all of these aspects are intertwined with our religion yeah. so you know why not why not embrace it yeah 100% and so According to, to the list of, of the Center for Creative Leadership, the, the next one after gratitude is um, learning agility and mm-hmm. you know the skill uh, to know what to do when you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I th- I think this is a really interesting one. I think that um, it's very like in the startup culture, there's the agile methodologies of okay. you know being able to produce things like really quickly and like, adapt and learn and test and fail, right? And I think that um, the religious aspect of that is, you know, if you know that, um, you know, God has said that um, 
you'll never be burdened uh your soul will never be burdened of, like by something you cannot like achieve or deal with and i think that that's where agility for me is is i'm always reminded of that i'm like look okay whatever the situation i can deal with it i just have to figure it out and that figuring it out is what mm. makes you agile and that's how i think you know companies and uh, institutions they need to go through that the, the world changes you know markets crash or um you know a challenger brand comes up or whatever mm-hmm. it is and it really evolves and adapts and i think being agile is definitely a sign of a good leader because you know especially in times of crisis you look to your leader to direct where you yeah, need to go right no and um yeah so i think that that's a great one and then um according to the list uh, another overlooked characteristic is having an influence uh by being able to convince people through logical emotional and cooperative reasoning leads to effective leadership when it is done with authenticity and transparency with emotional intelligence and trust it leads to greater cooperative skills mm-hmm. hence having empathy is also important and helps to have an inclusive rela- uh, leadership so i think influence is really really uh, interesting as well because mm. I think that people can often see influences as a bad thing and I think that that's where it says that um you know how it says that you know if it's done with authenticity and transparency mm. then it will be successful and I think that that's where you know you will have influence over people if you are transparent with them right mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to help someone or guide them if you are truthful for them if you're always keeping things you know like secret or like having that transparency and and that honesty i think is a real important thing well, i don't think that that that's the whole thing about uh, i think on on honesty is very very important because there's all there you you are going to get caught out trust me mm. you know a year six months two years whatever if if that is not you then you know people would people would find out you know yeah. and there's so many examples of I don't know recently if you if you know of the individual who who you know on on social media he eats, he eats raw meat okay this, no, this, this, this is he's made a huge brand about it and and you know people always you know accused him of oh, taking substances and all sub- what's his name uh, whatever yeah. his name is i yeah. mean um, the, the point i'm trying to make is is you know he had the follow, following and you know because of his dishonesty there came a time when he was caught out yeah right so 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 I think that's very important you know influence a long lasting influence uh, you know ha- it, it has to come with honesty you know other otherwise you know you want, you you may have a temporary and and that's the issue with with today's you know influences and the liver king you liver king yeah. yes so and that's that's the issue with with today's society that and 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 for us you know from the from from the islamic perspective mm. we know that for us the example is not x y and z we've got certain principles in place yeah. we abide by them and they're sort of universal principles that, that that don't contradict being honest being you know all of these things that you've mentioned gratitude whatever you mentioned here yeah. is very much you know a part of the islamic teaching yeah right and Definitely. and so you know we don't have to sort of adapt in a you know in in a weird way in order to accommodate you know certain things things in our life but when 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 there comes a time and and that, that that's one of the things about honesty when there comes a time whether it is in your workplace is corp, you know corporate world whatever you know when when things are not in accordance in in line with your with your with your beliefs with your views then you should be able to take a step back and say look that's not in line with my mm. you know and and that's exactly where 
your freedom of thought, freedom of expression, all of these, all of all of these things come in, Definitely. which everybody values so much. But when people actually practice it, you know, they they kind of look down with disdain. Yeah, no, and I think that you know, leadership in general, I think that you can learn a lot from Islam, as as, as we've seen in this you know list is a very good list. Personally speaking, I've I've experienced it quite a lot as well in in my day to day, and I think that um, making sure that you are accessible, I think. Leading by example has always been the thought that, like, you know, that, that I think has, has always come from me, come to me for, from Islam. Like, you know, if you don't, like, I never have, whenever I've been in a situation of leadership, I try my best. You know, everybody makes mistakes if I have it, I'm not sure. But, um, like, if, if I don't do it myself, how can I expect other people to do it? And I think that, you know, your point about where you first said humility. I think that that's really important because if a leader isn't humble, then they get to this point where they start to think, "Oh, I'm in this position. I shouldn't have to do this, mm-hmm. or I'm too above this." And I think that that's and that is a concept that we don't have in our community, right? Mm-hmm. You've got people. Let's say Jalsa Salana is, yeah. a, is a huge, you know, it's Jalsa Salana, basically the annual gathering of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Those that don't know can search it up online, and you you know you'd find. Now that whole sort of a city that's you know that's created. You know, by the people, uh, you know, majority of them that are working there from within the community are volunteers, and you've got doctors, you've got you know people from various fields doing, you know, cleaning toilets to yeah. uh, uh, you know washing pots. Yeah. So they're going through, food, yeah. And there's people that come and say, look, we don't, we actually want to do that job. Yeah, they specifically come and say, look, we don't want to do, this. we don't want to sit on a chair. We do that, you know, throughout the year. Yeah. We want to do something that's going to humble us. Yeah. And the serving people, and there are times where they have to, you know, especially doing, you know, driving, or, you know, parking, or they have to hear people, you know, someone might be angry at them. Mm. So these are the things that, you know, tr- truly show who you are as an individual. And that, that's why, that's why in this community, there's a great emphasis of, of being, of obedience as well. Obedience, in I was just about to yeah, Exactly. Yeah, and that aspect of, of it is huge because without obedience, there, there is no such thing as leadership. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Definitely. it's it's just a herd, right? <laughs> so you know, that's why um, you know obedience is one aspect. You know, we we have discussed. You know, no company, no nothing can work without it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think obedience. Like when you uh, mentioned uh, about uh, Justice Salana, I think it's really important because if you if you are obedient, like whether you're a surgeon, whether you're, uh, you know, whatever, um, just listening to whoever is in charge of that department has is, is always been um, consistent throughout everybody in the community when yeah. dealing with Jalsa Salana. But before we discuss that bit further, um, we will have um, our next guest, who is uh, Ellie Gottlieb. Um, Please forgive me if I pronounce that wrong. Uh, who has a PhD? Um, a uh, he is a cognitive psychologist and executive coach, and he was listed in the Marcus Magazine of 100 Most Influential People in Israel. Um, Assalamualaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so we, we started off um, discussing the um, Jacinda Ardern's resignation. Um, and, you know, it sparked uh, mass attention and mixed reactions. Um, could you could you tell our listeners what was so different and momentous about it? Well, the first thing that is different about it is that it's extremely rare for leaders to resign voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Usually there's some kind of scandal or an election defeat. 
And in this case, uh, Jacinda Ardern was uh, still very popular. Hmm. She was young. Um, she had no obvious challenger in her party. So it seemed very strange that she she should stop after only six years of leading her party mm-hmm. and the nation. Um, so um, that's really what was unusual about it. But in terms of the mixed reaction, um, some people suggested, well, maybe she, you know, since her popularity had gone down slightly over the last year or so, mm-hmm. uh, she maybe wanted to avoid defeat in the upcoming general election. And then there's the whole issue of gender that uh, mm-hmm. it raised a lot of thoughts about maybe politics and it's rough and tumble is a little harder for women. And maybe there's something we need to do about that. Interesting. Um, with some calling her courageous and others saying, you know, that she was yielding, uh, what was graceful about her stepping down? Well, the first thing that was graceful about it was that she did it voluntarily. No one led her there. There was no real crisis that she was mm. trying to avoid. There wasn't any upcoming scandal. Um, and she just really chose to do this on her own terms. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than that, I think, was how she exactly announced her mm-hmm. resignation. And she said something very interesting. She said the following. After going on six years of some big challenges, I am human. Mm. I know what this job takes. And I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. And so what you hear in that little uh, sentence that she gave in her resignation speech is that she really was thinking about her ability to do the job with the same energy mm. and drive that she had done so at the beginning of her, her political career. And seeing that she no longer had that that drive and motivation and strength and, and energy, she thought she should vacate her place and, and give it over to someone who can lead with, with greater drive. Great. And so with, with that, why, why don't we see more leaders voluntarily stepping down at that senior level? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's really about a few things. One of them is that power is addictive. Once mm-hmm. you have the power, you don't want to give <laughs> it up. Um, but also power corrupts in all kinds of ways. I mean, when we think of power corrupting, we usually think of things like, uh, um, you know, financial financial problems or people getting into all kinds of sexual scandals or whatever but it corrupts actually in in, in even more subtle ways so for example one of the things that is most um, characteristic of politicians is they have an amazing sense of timing Um, you know politics in a way is the the art of doing the right thing at the right time seeing an opportunity and grabbing it and to be in politics at all you have to have a great sense of timing but one of the ways in which um power corrupts is that it corrupts even that sense of timing that people Mm. who are in power for a long time they generally kind of um lose that sense of timing and it's often outside external problems rising up and challenging them that leads them to recognize oh perhaps i've missed my moment and it's time for me to go but they Mm. rarely do time there's what there's one other issue which i think is a really big one and Mm. that is that um, many leaders, and this is actually, I see this more in my uh, coaching work than in my research. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very e- easy for a leader to confuse his or her role with their personal identity. <laughs> what I mean by that is that instead of seeing their leadership as a responsibility with which they've been entrusted, mm. people often begin to treat their leadership as a right mm. that they have by virtue of being superior to other people. And that is a very short road from there to you know, resisting the transfer of power when it comes up or, um, you know, recognizing that their job is done or that they need to bring in new energy. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so what what practical lessons can other leaders draw from Jacinda Ardern's resignation? 
Well, I think the first thing is that, you know, you really need to keep focus on what you're there to do yeah. as opposed to the reverence in which you're held or the power that you have. Um, and I actually think in, in many ways, you know, I'm talking with, um, you know, an Islamic radio station. I myself am Jewish. Yeah. I actually think that there is um, people who have some kind of sense of, uh, who have a religious life and a, and a spiritual view of the world, mm-hmm. recognize that their own, their own, when they're in charge of something, there's always someone else or something else that is beyond that and, and that is in charge no of that. Doubt. that yeah. And I think that that is something that uh, gets, gets lost a lot in secular politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's recognizing that you have, you're here to do a job, you're, do, you're here for a higher purpose and you're not here for your own ends. That's a very important piece. But there's one other thing which is um, actually related to another thing that Jacinda Ardern said in her resignation speech. Mm-hmm. She proposed, you know, don't see the world in dichotomies as, you know, in order to be strong, you have to be only, you've got to be decisive, you've got to be focused, all these kind of male, stereotypically male traits. What she said is she hopes that she leaves New Zealand with a belief that you can be kind but strong, empathetic, but decisive, optimistic, but focused, saying that there, there isn't one way of demonstrating strength or using power, that you can temper those you know, extremes and find some kind of middle road in which you combine stereotypically masculine and feminine traits at the same time, and you mm-hmm. can be much more empathetic and, uh, mm-hmm. and optimistic without giving up on being decisive and strong. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on and it won't be the last time, of course. Thank you so much for being with us and, and giving such insight. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. 0208687 is the number to call. I think one of the points that, that really hit me was um, the the religious aspect yeah. of, you know. Naturally. Yes, of yeah. course, because at the end of the day, why is it the case that you know, it's just one you know individual leader who who thinks that this responsibility is actually bigger than her, right? Um, because the, the thing is, um, when you where who who are you answerable to? Mm. When you think you're you're at such a position where you think I'm not answerable to anyone, right? Yeah. You know, that me being here is my right, and nobody can you know point fingers at me. You know, whereas you know, someone going into that into that you know, role, you know, believing that this is a responsibility and a trust is in Arabic is called amana, a trust. And I'll be, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'll be asked for it. Like now that is, that is a conscious sort of, you know, thought to have, you know, um, now there are many Muslim leaders, you know, around the world who don't practice it. They, they, you know, they name themselves Muslims, you know, but that, but what we're speaking of is principle. Right, with, with what principles do Islam or other religions have in place, um, you know, for leading others? You know, what leadership is from a religious perspective? And when you when you look at the lives of the prophet prophets of God, whether it's Moses, Jesus, or yeah. Prophet Muhammad, you 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 would find, you know, the true essence of leadership, and you would find all of these qualities that we were discussing, you know, earlier, gratitude, you know, um, in, in in times of diff, diff difficulty, the agility. You know, to you know, to move, and you know, sense of responsibility that you know you're you're answerable to God, and so this is why you know these things these things are very very important. Right, and and the other thing is is that we we were talking about um, what's it called, Jalsa Salana, right? And I think that that whole idea of answering to someone beyond this world to God, I think, is really like 
key in everybody realizing, hey, look, I'm not doing this because I want to show off or I'm not doing this because it's my benefit. I'm not doing it because I want people yeah. to love me or whatever it is. There is a genuine concern and like a genuine belief that, hey, I'm doing this in the if for my creator. Yeah. Right, someone who has graced me. You know, we were talking about sight loss earlier as well, right? Like someone mm-hmm. who's given us eyesight, someone who's given us uh, all of these things, the ability to walk or whatever, whatever yeah. grace that we've been bestowed. It's <clears throat> it's knowing that yeah. is really key, and then then you're obedient to whoever it is because you're like, hey, like for me, I'm just trying to serve my yeah. creator. I, yeah, that's why from the religious perspective, there's there's there's, there's always the idea of um, of reward and pun. pun and punishment, right? You've got both of these things. Yeah. When you look at, you know, you do a certain thing, you know, you're rewarded for it and someone can take that. And that's why in, in the Holy Quran, you know, the prophets have been told uh, that they come as, you know, glad, you know, they, uh, as, as a givers of glad tiding yeah. and as well as warners, right? That if you don't do a certain things, there are consequences. So, you know, and that's why, that that's one of the reasons why I personally believe in God, yeah. right? Because yeah, there's a lot of wrong that happens in this world which goes, you know, uh, unpunished. So there has to be, you know, there has to be a realm where, you know, people will be, you know, compensated for, you know, for the for the actions, for the, for the wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, those that have done wrong, they will be, you know, they they will have to answer and they will be pun- punished. So you've got both of these aspects which which makes you, which makes you do good. Which makes you, you know, stay, stay, stay on the right path, yeah. right? One is the ability to think, that, because, and that's why the Prophet said yeah. that al bayn al-khawfi raja that iman or belief is is between hope and fear. Yeah, it's not too much fear. Whatever I do, I'm going to go to hell, and it's not too much hope to to think, oh, I'm I'm a Muslim, yeah. and because I'm a Muslim, Sorted. I'm just going yeah. to have no. Yeah. You know, there there are certain you know you know principles in place. There's a way to go about it that you have to follow. No, definitely. And, you know, um, I think we have one of the greatest examples in the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Um, the Holy Quran states, Verily, you have in the Prophet of Allah an excellent model mm-hmm. for him who fears Allah and the last day and who remembers Allah much. That's chapter 33, verse 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, was known um, to be a righteous man who exhibited excellent moral qualities. Yeah. You know, um, I think we're going to discuss that, though, in more detail. We do have our next guest on the line. Yes, we have on the line Anna Surana, who is the vice president of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. He is also uh, the director of uh, the Ahmadi youth who dedicate their lives uh, for serving mankind. All, the scheme is also known in the community as Wakfino. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, uh, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're speaking, uh, we're talking actually about uh, leadership. Um, you know, we've uh, we've had various sort of aspects of leadership in, in you know, in sort of the secular side. Uh, we wanted to, you know, specifically speak to you about uh you know Islam and the you know, and the and the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and how leadership you know plays a role here you know within our community. So you know beginning with uh, with a brief explanation uh, you know for the benefit of our listeners, what is Khudamul Ahmadiyya? You know uh, you know you know it's, it's an of course auxiliary organization, but if you can tell us what its purpose is uh, and how it's run in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. <coughs> 
So Khudam Lamdia is the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, mm-hmm. uh, which is the uh, wing or the auxiliary organization in the community, which is for the uh, boys or men from 15 to 40 years old. And uh, um, we uh, um, basically um, look after the men of this age group in terms of their religious education, in terms of their general education, every aspect of life, we try to assist and help wherever we can. Mm -hmm. And the main aim, though, remains the same, which is to enhance the spiritual connection of our youth. Mm -hmm. Right, and this is done on a national, a regional, and a local level. So how how does this auxiliary organization work at those levels? So the the structure overall you could imagine is quite involved but briefly speaking we've got a um so the local uh, um uh, presidents essentially are elected by their uh, by their local communities mm-hmm. then um the national president um is elected by representatives from each of these local uh, communities, essentially. Mm-hmm. And part of his team are many departments which look after different varying aspects of, uh, 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 you know, as I mentioned, one is looking, uh, there, there are some looking after serving humanity, so that is like char- our, uh, a lot of our charity work, mm-hmm. our sports, our education, our religious education, etc., etc. So these are all part of his team. Mm-hmm. And then he's, uh, we, um, he also appoints regional, uh, pre- uh, you could call them uh, presidents, regional presidents who overlook regional chapters across the country. Mm-hmm. And, they all, uh, and, and essentially the local uh, uh, uh the president's mm-hmm. uh, answer to the regional president and he answers to the national president. So it's it's a very sort of a systematic uh, you know way in which uh, this, this this auxiliary organization work and and just just for the benefit of our listeners that's not the only auxiliary organization within the community I mean you've got Ansarullah for the elders um, you know for the ladies you've got Lajna you know Imaila they 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 run their you know they run their own affairs, you know, they have their yes. own gatherings and all yes. of these things. So, so how how huge is that, you know, for for the community, you know, and, and and isn't the purpose of all of this is to create leaders? Because you could remember, or I could remember, being young atfal because that, that's another auxiliary organization, you know, you know, yes. tif, tif, and being led by you know khuddam, you know, you know your local kite or your regional. Yes. Uh, you know, a, a individual in charge of you. So, is isn't that the purpose to to create more leaders? One hundred percent. I think the 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 community and overall the the structures. I mean, I can speak from experience. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot, or, or almost entirely, all all the skills I've learned in terms of leadership have come from my work with the community. As you said, starting at the very young age where you get given some small responsibilities, uh, our smallest organization for the uh, girls and the boys Mm -hmm. starts at the age of seven Mm -hmm. to Mm fifteen, where you get given small tasks, small responsibilities, you learn how to do them, you fail at them sometimes, and you you learn from your mistakes, etc., etc. And I, I, I think... I think all aspects of this community and all aspects of how this works is really about you grow, 
mm. with the responsibilities you're given. You learn how to deal with people. You learn how to, you know, uh, how to look after bigger and bigger projects. Mm-hmm. And and that definitely goes for me as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm the professionally as well. I, I, I work as a lecturer, but mm-hmm. all the leadership skills, I didn't pick them up at my workplace. I picked mm-hmm. them up working in the community. That's wonderful indeed. And and there's another question that we wanted to ask you is is why is it important for, you know, to engage the youth, you know, at a very young age, uh, you know, as opposed to, you know, society telling them to, let's say, experience everything, you know, and, and basically decide for themselves what they want to do? I think that there are many aspects to this. I think, firstly, the reality is that if we all um, wouldn't, um, would, would make all the possible mistakes ourselves, then mm. there would be no spiritual enhancement. There would be no spiritual progression. We would all be just repeating each other's mistakes. Mm. So I think that's how I look at it, like, at least that mm. one part of it is when I'm working with some of my younger brothers and, and you know, um, giving them specific tasks and, and, and uh, guiding them, it's about telling them my experiences, showing them from my experiences how to do things better and how mm-hmm. to, as, as I said right at the beginning, the main mm-hmm. aim in our community is uh, spiritual progression. Mm-hmm. And I think that is sometimes uh, forgotten that, uh, yes, it's not about, um, it's not about, uh, um, uh, what could you say, that uh, you... you you just tell people and they just listen to you, but mm. it's about teaching them and it's about making them aware that don't make these mistakes, don't try mm-hmm. on this wrong path, don't yes. go in this wrong direction. I mean, it's 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 wise for one to learn from you know others' mistakes than to repeat them, and it and that's yes. that's uh, spot on there. Right, yeah. and so um, what does leadership mean to you? Oh, that's a, <laughs> a, lot, a complicated question. Deep question, but. but. Yes, <laughs> let me let me try. So the way I, I see it, leadership can mean. So there are different leaders who can be uh, um, who, who can have a positive uh, or leave a lasting and positive impact on people. I think that's what matters. That wh- however you do, um, however you um, as 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 a, as a leader, however you approach it your main aim should be to leave a positive impact on the people you are leading mm. and leave a positive impact on their lives. And, and and we see we see many examples, and I think everyone is different, and everyone, mm. like if we go into the minutia of how exactly you want to be a leader, mm. there will be different approaches that work, different approaches that work with different people. But I think the, as long as your aim is that you want to leave a positive impact and you actually... Um, question that regularly. Yeah. That's how I see it. That you evaluate yourself, and and you are you 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 actually look at these are my mm. objectives. This is what I'm trying to achieve. Am I achieving that? I think that's that. These are the sort of hallmarks for me. Yeah. That I'm. Am I on the? Again, it's not just about those I'm leading. I myself need to become spiritually a, a better person as well. Very, very interesting. And lastly, um, could you maybe explain, you know, the concept of, of leadership uh, 
in Islam generally, you know, speaking, and also, you know, the importance of Khilafat, you know, Khilafat Ahmadiyya, as, as, as we know within the community. And, and, and how is that leadership, you know, different sort of, you know, from any other form of leadership that we have in the world today? I think fundamentally, the most important difference in terms of Khilafat uh, Ahmadiyya, so the leaders, our spiritual leaders in, in, in our Jamaat, in our community, Fundamentally, the biggest thing that sets them apart is that we believe they're rightly guided by God Almighty. Mm -hmm. So this sets them apart from any other leader because we are all, every, you know, uh, as human beings, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And no matter how good of a leader you are, you will make mistakes. But with our Khulafah, with our uh, um, uh, leaders in, in this community, we believe that they are guided by Allah in all aspects of their life, in all aspects of their decisions. So uh, spiritual decisions. So um, we know that when they tell us something, they are guiding us on, in the right direction. And even more importantly, they are always, and you experience this just being in, in their presence. Mm -hmm. uh, I've only lived through the, uh, the the life of the fourth Khalifa of our community and the fifth Khalifa. Yeah. When you meet them, you actually see that spiritual connection that they, you experience yeah. that spiritual connection that they have. Uh, and of course, I I just wanted to add something there. And you know, you 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 wonderfully and beautifully explained, you know, that that the belief of you know the belief that they are rightly guided, and, and this belief is ex actually experimental from the community's perspective, that there are numerous, and not just, you know, one is from the community perspective, but individually speaking as well, there's been many incidents, and you can speak to, you know, every Ahmed you can stand here and say, and, and he'll give you various examples from, the, you know, from, 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 from his life where he needed a certain guidance, and, you know, he, he went to the Khalifa, and, you know, he, you know, he approached him and asked him what he should do. And with prayers, when he got that guidance, how that guidance has helped him in his life. And, you know, talking yes. of in, with, within the community, whether it's projects such as, you know, this of Betul Fatu, the reconstruction, you know, there's so much there that you, when, when you hear these things, you realize that this, this sort of leadership, why it's different is because, as you've mentioned, is rightly guided and is from the experimental uh, you know, side of things and not just a belief, you know, not just a blind belief. No, that's right. I, I think if you speak to any member of our community, and that goes even more strongly members of our administration who, who get this guidance on a regular basis, mm -hmm. like there, there's never been a decision in my experience that... Mm. Um, we got from our uh, Khalifa and he told us to do something yeah. and we did it and it wasn't with, there weren't blessings in that decision. How, no matter how much at the time we might have wanted to do something else mm. because of our own experiences. Yeah. And, and I think it goes for everyone. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure we could be here until tomorrow just talking about our just, uh, you know the, uh, our experiences of these mm -hmm. things that have happened, and as you said, this goes for almost every member of our community that they mm -hmm. regularly get these things via you know via communications with our caliph, uh, via direct uh, um, you know meetings mm -hmm. with him, etc. Absolutely, thank you so much for joining us. It was a wonderful discussion that we had with you, Sakala. Assalamualaikum. Thank you. Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number to call.
Uh, we only have about 10 minutes to go. Um, maybe call us and tell us what leadership means to you and, and, and what sort of leaders that you follow in, in, in your life and how they have impacted your, uh, your journey so far. Yeah, so um, leadership in general for me, I think, um, I think I've seen good leaders, bad leaders. Um, I think that you, what type of training should there be for leaders? I think that there's always things that we should try to explore. You know, there's all these different courses and stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, but for me, the, one of the greatest examples um, is the the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And um, as you were mentioning before this caller, um, he's known to be a righteous man who has exhibited excellent moral qualities even before he announced that he was the Holy Prophet, peace be peace of blessings of Allah be upon him. The Almighty revealed to it, it to him. Um, he was like he was well liked for his honesty and good morals. After his announcement, when society deserted him due to his claim of being um, the prophet of God um, and persecuted him with several verbal and physical abuses, uh, his response always exhibited the highest form of patience, love, tolerance and moral qualities. Hence, many started to follow uh, and accept Islam and him as the Holy Prophet um The number of his followers grew despite needing to bear severe uh, severe abuse at the time mm-hmm. uh, and he, uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him uh, never discriminated and told his followers not to not either and helped the poor and always acted with justice regardless of the situation absolutely and and, and one of the things uh, that's that we find from from his from the from the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and why he's been called the best of examples in in, in, in the Holy Quran is is the testimony of his wives, of, of, of his family when he was away from the believers, how he was as an individual. Mm. Even at home, you know, leadership, we speak of leadership, you know, he could just go and sit, sit, sit there, but we find that he was very much involved in, in the house chores, you know, whatever, mm. whatever, you know, the help that was needed in, in home, you know, normal activities, he was there. The building of the mosque, Masjid uh, Nabavi, as we know of it, we know that he was, the Prophet peace upon him was very much involved in in actually you know transporting various stones and all these things, and the companion said, "Look, you don't need to do this," but he but he led by example, yeah. and this you know a lot of the things as I was saying you know we we hear many uh, you know influencers and leaders speak about you know much more than that was 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 there you know existed in our Prophet, yeah. so we don't we we I'm not saying we we should shouldn't look at others but. We have in-house, you know, we have example and, and, and the life that we need to study deeply. You know, how his relationship was with, you know, with elders, with children, how he was with children, um, his anger, how, how was he even with, in, you know, doing, and when was it that he, he even got angry, right? It, it, it would never be for his personal sort of, you know, um, to do with this person. Yeah. It would always be for the bigger purpose or for the benefit of you know, the, the community that he was in charge of. One of the interesting things while, you know, speaking to, uh, you know, our previous guest that came to my mind was the Prophet, you know, is a statement of his where, where, where he says, Kullukum wa kullukum an meaning every one of you is, is in charge of something, is a leader, mm. right? And you, you'll be asked about the responsibility that you, know, that you have. Yeah. Now think about it. If, if every one of you is a leader, 
then that means every one of you is also being led, right? Yeah. So there are there are times in life where, or there 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 are places in life where we're leaders, and there are places in life where we're being led. Yeah. And and w- when we're leaders, we expect people to obey us, meaning we expect people to listen and do yeah. things. And you know, there, there, there may be things. There, there may be a time where they can't see it. You know, we have, you know, consultation in Islam where you know we consult others and we ask. But when a decision is made, you follow it. Yeah, you're you're totally obedient to it. Without that, think about it. As someone who's obeying, you're part of any organization, religion, anything. If you don't obey, if you don't follow rules, it'll be a chaos. Yeah, right. So, so that aspect is is also very important for 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 any household to work. You know that's why you know in in you know speaking about Islam, the role of men and women are very very, you know, clear. very very clear. And you know we know from the women's perspective perspective how the Prophet treated his wife or what we as individuals now married have to do, yeah. right? And from the women's side of things, that guidance is also there as well. So so I th- think just 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 wrap the show up. Um, leadership is not just sort of one quality, right? It's yeah. it's a combination of things, yeah, a host of things, yeah. and and also. It's it's not a sort of a pinnacle point where you you get there and there's no more learning, you know. The prophet said, you know, knowledge or, you know, you know, there's always you know, knowledge is the he says, uh, is a lost property of a believer, right? And you were speaking about courses and all of these things. Yeah. The, there's you never stop learning. There, there, there's, there's always going to be times. There's always going to be people that know more than you. Yep. Have different aspects, you know, life, and I think you've got to be open about it. And I think that's the that's one of the reasons you know why that is encouraging islam yeah and i think you know we we have the pretext of this discussion about leadership because of jacinda ardern's decision yeah. to step down right and um so for me what what i've kind of taken from muslim that, especially very appreciate her. i think we should mention yeah. that especially what happened in new zealand the attacks and all that how her response was it it goes to show yeah. you know what what she's as an individual yeah as well empathy right and, yeah. and this is the thing like uh, it's the first point that um the ccl um uh, the center for uh, leadership mentioned in their list is mm. uh, self awareness and i think that just her her actions were very self aware right the mm. fact that she like whatever people want to say about her motivations or she didn't want to lose another election or whatever yeah. like the fact that she was self aware to take that decision whereas um I think as our as our first guest Eli was mentioning, um, you know, power is addictive. Yeah. Um, and for her to like not be so like not to just want to cling on to power, but like you know how there's some leaders who just like stay in the position until mm. they're literally out. We've experienced out, right? it. We experienced like, it here, yeah. you know, in the UK. Yeah. Or what's been the case, you know, for the last few last few years. So like did that that self awareness to be like hey you know what maybe I'm not the best person to lead this country right now or I'm not mm. the best person to be the leader at the moment and I think that that self awareness is is just something that I'll definitely take from this resignation I think that for me it was it was it was it was really inspiring for mm. me I think that is 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 good for and I think showing that empathy and to 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 just be like, hey, you know, I don't think I'm the right leader at this time, so this is where I'm going to lead. And, and, I, and, 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 and I think this is the point where, you know, um, doing something which which is different from the norm, 
Mm. Right? It's it's it's, it's, it's normal now, right? Yeah. Whoever gets power, he's addicted to it. He wants to keep it. Yeah. You know, all of these things, and, and now in a way in society, that's that's normal, yeah. right? Doing certain things in 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 the corporate world. You you were no better than me. Yeah. What what things happen was some of the things you you have to do in order to acquire certain yeah, roles. Stepping on other people. Yeah, yeah. All, all of these things are there now. For you to do something different, mm. that's admirable. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's what that that is what def, you know defines you as an individual. And you can. You can point certain people out in every field, yeah. whether it's sports. Yeah. You know, people like Sadio Mane. Let's say yeah. we, we we heard stories about him going to the Liverpool mosque and cleaning yeah. the toilets. Yeah, right. All of these things, you know, which shows you that their career or their current circumstances, they they look at life to be much greater than that. Yeah, and I think that's why they 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 do things. Why you know that's the reason that that's the if you know. De- definitely, and you know, like a lot of people like if they leave leadership positions right they wish that they are known as the best leader and then the next person doesn't get the same admiration as they do and that's what i really liked about the the quote where um she mentioned she said i hope i leave new zealanders with the with their belief that you can be kind but strong empath empathetic but decisive optimistic mm. but focused and that you can be kind uh, be your own kind of leader one who knows when it's time to go i think that that's just like you know I think there's really, really. Um, I think it's a very good example to set for the next leaders. Yeah, that it's not a weakness to step down. Yeah, and the other thing is that just that, just that there is that middle ground that that Islam always teaches you moderation. You should you don't need to like be like super decisive about everything. You should deliberate as well, but mm. then don't be so indecisive that nothing happens. Right, yeah. find that mil- middle ground, and I think that 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 combination of being like kind but also being strong. Like, don't see kindness and and empathy as as a weakness, uh, or you know, be be decisive and be optimistic, yeah. but also be focused. Don't just live 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 your head in the clouds thinking that <laughs> everything is going to be fixed. There is mm. actual. A pragmatism that needs to be shown so yeah no i i really like that quote and uh, it was mentioned by eli earlier as well interesting we only have a minute to go there's so much that we've 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 discussed today yeah. you know for the previous program about uh sight loss that gave us you know huge insight into how you know people actually feel or what they have to go through in you know in, in their day-to-day lives and also in the second hour talking about leaders you know what makes one a you know a, a a true leader or a good leader, yeah. right? Um, from we spoke about you know the secular side of things, you know uh, we also spoke uh, you know about uh, the religious side of things, yeah. and, and 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 the fascinating thing is how much these things go hand in hand, yeah. and how 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 both of the systems are are sort of you they, know they correlate exactly. Right? And and I think that's that's one of the things that I've picked up from. Yeah, uh, I think that um, a lot of people say that you know Islam or religion isn't applicable to contemporary issues, and um, I think that this is a clear example that you can learn from your religion to to bring leadership. Yeah. But um, we also want to thank our producers uh, today, uh, Ruhi Yakub, uh, Arub Anwar, and Sabiha Tariq. Uh, we also want to thank all of our guests. For joining us today on the live, uh, and I want to thank you for. And I want to thank you, and I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, and now it's the news.